0: To the person to person podcast. This is a podcast that talks to business professionals and looks behind the the, the persona and gets to know the real person. Uh, And joining me today uh, is CEO of the the Sana Group, Sano Schliver. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, thank you. Good, good, good. Yes, I'm doing all right. The sun is shining, which is always lovely. Um, And it's an opportunity for us to, to catch up and have a chat. Um, as you know, we've done work together on and off for a fair few months now, and, and rarely get to meet. So this is quite nice to be able to have a, a sit and chat, and not just for the listeners, but for me as well to kind of get to know you a little better and find out who you are aside from the boss of the firm. Okay, yeah. So looking at your name, the first thing that, that that springs to mind is that perhaps you wasn't born in the UK. So can you tell us a little bit about where you was born and how your journey brought you to the UK? Okay, so I was born in
1: a country uh, of former Yugoslavia, uh, Bosnia and Herzegovina. Um, I was born in 82. Um, I lived there for eight years. Um, Went started to go to school there. And then obviously the, um, the war erupted out there, uh, which then, um, well, the country come to a bit standstill. Uh, there was a massive conflict between uh, Serbia, Croatia and Bosnia. I think it spilled over into Slovenia a little bit. Um, so, yeah, every, all the schools and everything was well, closed down. Obviously, the c- whole country was in full-blown war. Uh, so we spent a year running around there trying to find shelter, Um, Then, yeah, after about a year and a half, things got really, really messy. Um, You know, we became refugees um, because our land and country got
0: taken over. And, yeah. uh, Uh, And you say you was eight then? Yeah. So, like, was was you aware of the gravitas of the situation that was happening? Was it, like, literally outside your door? Could you see what was going on and was it impacting massively on, 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 you know... I was I was out playing with my friends at the time
1: when um, airplanes just started flying over and bombing the, our town. Oh I literally God. had to just run home and the sirens were going and yeah, it's just, we had to take shelter in our in our house first of all. And I remember when I was so young, I remember counting over 900 shells going off in the whole day. Um, our house did get hit, but um, it was just the roof. One in the back garden, um, but nothing kind of seep through it was in the in the hallway where it was between the kitchen and the bedroom so there was like two walls between our wall yeah so nothing could actually come through like um shrapnel or bullet wise and then yeah it was you know it was, that went on for a couple of days and then we got taken out of our house and taken up to the mountains i don't know what the plans were but we, we got held up in the mountains for a while i did they were shooting people up in the mountains but then um, like a bus came along and just took us to like uh, a Bosnian territory because the, bo- the country then got divided. Like, the Bosnians were fighting from one side, the Serbs on another, and yeah, so forth. I remember um, the, the bus that picked us up and took us to a place called Velika, Kladusha. And um, yeah, they just pulled the bus up outside uh, on top of this bridge, and the Serbian soldiers were fighting across the other side where the Bosnian soldiers were. And the bridge had like the metal crosses on and barbed wire so you couldn't get across it but they were firing each other while we was crossing this uh, bridge me and my mum my brother and my dad got taken to a concentration camp at the time so we was all divided yeah it was just everything was just all over the place and then we spent about nine months in this Kladusha place and then yeah the, the British Red Cross rescued my brother and my dad and took them to England and then that's when we found out where they were and then we got the call. And that's where we got taken um, to Heathrow from Zagreb. Yeah, we was held in Croatia for three months because it was kind of a safe zone there. There was no... There's still a conflict, but it was there was nothing going on there uh, at the time. But, um, yeah, we flew into Heathrow March 1993. And, um, yeah, it was... Um, yeah, we got put in a hostel for four months. And then... Um, we got put into a flat in, in South and they just wanted us to get used to the society I suppose first and yeah my dad was in hospital because he got starved pretty much to death in the concentration camp so he got put in Allsit Hospital and then yeah after three months he, he moved in with us in Ockington, and that's where I got put into school and then I joined year seven that's, I didn't really speak a word of
0: English then um, Yeah. before we pick up on that just going back and, until you got that Word from the Red Cross that they they had they freed your brother and father. Did you have no idea if they were alive or dead? We had no idea that if they were alive or dead, but we found out that
1: they took men uh, like above sixteen to these concentration camps. We we had an idea they were in a concentration camp getting like tortured and stuff, yeah. and we knew like people were getting shot on a daily basis, Um but. We didn't know if they were dead or alive. Um, it was only after about eight, nine months we found out. Uh, when the British Red Cross got in there, then they wrote letters to us because they knew where we were. Yeah. Um, but, and then we got a letter from, like, my brother and my dad to our house where we was, like, lodging, if you like, because other Bosnian families took on families from other towns yeah. to live because it, it was, like, full-on blown war. Yeah. And like my mum was just cooking for them, and that was we was earning our keep that way. But yeah, we just got a letter to say like, this is where your dad is, and your brother and I are alive. And, what a yeah, moment! I know, I know. And then they got taken over
0: to England, yeah, by yeah, by British Red Cross. And I mean, surely, I mean, uh, tell me a little bit about the emotions of of getting to the UK because I imagine it must have been a, a, a strange mixture. I'm presuming this that of, of, of obviously the elation of being reunited with your, your family, yeah. but also being somebody in a st- strange country that doesn't speak English. Like, h- how was that sort of initial you know time of, of, of coming to the UK? Um,
1: it was pretty um, daunting at the time because we literally got into this hostel. There was all other families in there, and we was all kind of finding out where they're from and meeting them finding out you know about their family and who they've lost and how they've got there and but we had like a translator living with us at the same time like a caretaker in the hostel so they were like you know explaining you know how how it is over here and they were like giving us 20 pound a week to go out and there was a park opposite raven's court park i remember like we used to go over there daily like feeding the ducks and stuff but, like, it was hard to get used to because, like, you can hear, like... You know, like, you hear ambulance going off constantly and it's like a... It, it just gives you little flashbacks because that's what you used to hear over there. Like, soldiers being shot, you know, ambulances keep flying past and it was just like, yeah.
0: Does that still resonate now? Sorry? Does that still resonate
1: Yeah, now it does. Yeah, yeah. It, it Definitely now. I was thinking about it. But, yeah, the laying, laying down in, in the hostel because in London you can constantly hear fire engines, ambulances, police, like, every ten seconds. Yeah. Whereas out there you hear it, you know on a normal day, well before the war, you hear it once every, you know, fortnight, you know? Yeah. And then in the war you heard it, you know, daily, daily. And it's just yeah. like yeah it does give you a bit of a, you know, a bit of a flashback, I suppose. But, um,
0: so tell me a bit about um starting school and not speaking English. <laughs> um because I should also say that the area that, that you went to school in um is an area that, that I, I know very well. It's very much a, a very working class area. Yeah. Um, certainly not a particularly affluent area at all. Um, like, you know, how did you find going into, to, you know, was you welcomed at school? Um, at first,
1: uh, we wasn't, I didn't feel very welcome. Um, I think um, the local people, there was not many foreign people living in South Oaken at the time. Um, and, I, you know, we felt a bit alien, you know, yeah. coming into the school and, you know, was mocked a little bit for not being able to speak the language. Um, and, you know, I, I tried my best and I've, I picked it up real quick because um, somehow I just integrated with um, English people. Uh, we all clicked and got on. And um, I remember, you know, my mate Michael and um, George and the guy called Gareth. He was like, he, he kind of took me on um, under their wings, if you like. Um kind of like oh, don't take the piss out of him he's been through a lot they kind of understood where i come from yeah whereas other people didn't really understand what we was doing there yeah um, but people were thinking we just turned up you know just we want this we want that yeah um and i think it was painting a different picture as to what we was doing there yeah. um but yeah getting onto the english uh i think after about three months i started you know speaking really well yeah after about six months i started losing the accent yeah um, but it, it, it helped, you know, hanging around with English people every day. Um, I got a friend; he was um, his name was Ashley as well. We used to start sleeping around each other's houses, and you know, we were playing, you know, on get back on the Sega's and Game Gears and stuff. Yeah. You know, like going to Lakeside, going to cinema together. We literally was living with each other, so yeah. that really helped. Um, yeah, after a year, I was you know all over it. I was I was getting good grades. You know, at the start I was getting E's and F's, but as the years went on, you know, C's and D's and Bs, you know, as my language and understanding picked up. Yeah. So I always strive to, to 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 do well, you know. Yeah. But um, yeah, I've done my best, and um, yeah, here I am, you know. It's, um, I I finished school in '98
0: and went on to college. Well, I've got some questions that I um I like to ask uh. Guess and 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 you mentioned michael george and Ashley and friends like that and how much of an impact they had on your integration uh, over here so with that in mind i want to ask you what do you think the most powerful effect you can have on another person is
1: um you could definitely inspire them um and you know just being kind to people um will Go uh, a, a very long way. If you're kind to someone, you know, then, you know, they're going to, there's going to be trust there. Um, and yeah, you, you can work together and, you know, go on to become really good friends. And which I found I am still friends with Michael and George.
0: Mm.
1: I class them as my best friends um, yeah. to this day. So yeah, it's gone
0: a long, long way. And just going back to picking up on your story to, to today, in regards to, um, the fact that your grades were improving at school. um, Did you know you wanted to be when you was at school? Um, As
1: things were getting into computers back in 97, 98, I've always listened to my mum. My mum's like my best friend. Um, She's always, son, you need to go to college and learn about computers. Everything's getting computers. So... Um, uh, there was another guy in the school called Mark, and he was becoming. He wanted to be an electrician, and I was like, I really want to become an electrician as well. Cause my dad, by trade, is a plumber. You know, we're all into construction. We love all that. But um, I listened to my mum, and I put myself down for information technology, NVQs level one, two, and three. And I did that. I went on, and I passed NVQ one, two, and three web design, and I've done the advanced MVQ in information technology, and I passed everything. And I went on and got a job, Um, you know, working in IT, uh, inputting data, you know, creating spreadsheets for a car company. But you know what? I just just could not get into it, you know? I'd get a big pile of work put on my desk every morning. And I'm like... If I get loads of work given to me, I'm just on it, on it, just till it's done. Yeah. So every day by 10 o'clock, I was done. Everything was finished. And I was just, you know, just sitting around all day. And we was having KFC for lunch and fishing chips one day. And I was just getting fat and lazy. And I, I weren't enjoying it, you know. And I, one day I went to work with um, my ex-boss, Simon, uh, in, a, in a London project that I on. He was an electrician. And, um, yeah, I was just on site, cable tying, cable to the tray, but all day I was busy. You know, go do this, go and do that. And, you know, I was doing Saturdays and Saturdays here. And, you know what, I really, really liked it. And then um, I got a full-time job with him. He was was working for a company called Lightning Electrical. Uh, This was back in... So, back in 2000. And then, um, yeah, so joined the company then on on literally minimum wage uh it's like an apprenticeship and then yeah just went on from there i loved it you know i was so busy constant and i enjoyed what i was doing um but as years went on i I became self-employed after about three four years because we we was getting okay money but all the self-employed guys were on more money and you know, they they could if the work more work they done, the more money they got, and they could work weekends from like price and stuff like that. So I just went self employed, working for the same company still, mm. but on a self employed basis. And um yeah, we you know, I started smashing out. You know, again, grand a week. Yeah, you know, and just, it just evolved from there. And they just fed me work, and then I started working with friends because I was self employed, like a a solo trader. I could I could employ people to work with me so i was taking on more and more work and i was giving it out and uh, to, the, to the guys and you know i, was, I started earning loads more work and then I've, then i just started doing i just started doing accountancy and you know started doing my taxes and Vats, and you know what well, thank thank god i went and done the it yeah. to learn about all the spreadsheets and everything so it, it did help so it wasn't a complete
0: waste of time um I mean, you're you're talking a lot there about the kind of academia side of it, and uh, and what I I want to ask you about is is the kind of more more the kind of sort of the the side of it in regards to sort of confidence and drive, and and I just wonder, having experienced what you'd experienced up until um, you know you, you reach the age of work, do you think having to be the new kid at the school and having to kind of you know integrate the way that you did do you think that gave you confidence in life
1: um to start with there was very little confidence because um i was in in another country um we never really used to go abroad a lot you know we'd venture out to germany but all our holidays were in in yugoslavia you know we'd go down the croatian coast so we never really went out out um i wasn't very well traveled so coming over here and especially the way we came over here, you know, we was rescued and we was helped along, you know, like, you know, they they literally gave us a flat to live in. Yeah. So there were a lot of respect for the country came to that, you know, even like when we would stand in the queue at, at the post office and if, you know, me and my mum would walk down there and, she, you know, if there was someone behind us, we'd get out of their way because we shouldn't have really been there. And then my mum's like, oh, this is their country. Let them go first. You know, it was like... So we didn't really... There was no, not a lot of confidence, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, as, as, as it went on, when I left school um, and then I was doing the college work, I started working in a place called TGI Fridays just so I can earn some money while I'm at college. Mm-hmm. I was working evenings and stuff where I met my wife, Emma, um, back all them years ago. Um, so, yeah, that's when kind of life... Started going well, you know, when I started working, and, and
0: that's a flamboyant place to work. TGI Fridays. Did, was, I mean, you have to have a bit of confidence. Oh, that's where the character, there.
1: that's where the full-on character come out. Yeah. You know, we was, you know, we was partying every weekend after work. You know, like the TGI Fridays kind of becomes your family because yeah. it's such an um, unsociable job to have. Because while everyone's at work, you're kind of Sleep or resting getting ready to go to work and then you go to work at like 6 in the evening then you're working to 11, 12 clearing up the place and then you shoot to Basildon as quick as you can you know partying getting on with it and then you're back home again you know 3, 4 in the morning and sleeping you know and it was like body you know it was just clockwork that was well that was for a couple of years while the college went on and then after college I got the job and then yeah just went on from there We, we went on and We bought our first house in Clays. I think I was about 23 then. You know, we we was hard saving then.
0: How did that feel on your first house?
1: That was an achievement, yeah. I thought, you know, um, I've come to another country, you know, on our own pretty much. You know, we've just one shoe on my foot and my shorts, you know, and being given the opportunity to, to, you know, to actually get a life over here while the war was still on. You know, it was the war went on for five and a half years yeah. and after the after the war and that stopped we went back but it was so there was just no economy out there there was nothing everything was just shut you know and there was just people everywhere and how did that feel and, oh, it was sad you know just for, at one point you know the, everything's working you've got the coal mines you've got the car manufacturing going on you know just like here you know you've got the folds. everything's yeah. normal flowing and all of a sudden it's shut yeah. Uh, you know, it's like walking dead, you know, it's just, there's nothing. So, you know, we did, obviously, we decided to stay here. I just finished school, been to college and got my job, first job, and, you know, just
0: gone on from there. Aside from confidence, I mean, just from, I mean, I, did, I didn't know a lot of this, but obviously, you know, through people that, you know, mutual friends, I've seen you create you know, many set like really successful businesses in in recent times. Um confidence aside, would you say that you're driven? Uh I am I am driven, yes. Um
1: I've got a I've got a big passion for our businesses, what we're doing. Um I've I've done I've done a lot of training on business. I've I've really wanted to do well. I've really dug my heels in. Um I don't wanna there's failure ain't an option in my eyes, in anything. Um, so, yeah, I'll just, the, the name Sana as well, um, that's, that's a river back in my town, in my country. It's my, my hometown's called Sanski Most, but the nickname for it is Sana. Right. There's a big river that flows through the town. Um, me and George have canoed down it. I've seen the pictures. Yeah. Um, <laughs> amazing city. It's an amazing country. Um, You know, I'd love to, you know, I've I've invested out there as well. One day, hopefully, we'll we'll live 50-50 out there, some out here. It's just so natural and beautiful out there. But I've planted my roots here. I've decided to live my life here. You know, I've married Emma. We've got three beautiful children together, and we work really well together. And, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful thing. We're working with my friend as well, and we're
0: building something, you know, it's very nice. So, I'm going to ask you, what's your earliest memory of someone that you thought was good at life? Okay. um, Working in this electrical company,
1: Lightning Electrical, um, the guy that owned it, Peter Thompson, Every time I spoke to him, you know, he was the director and obviously you only get to speak to these people every now and then passing. Um, I've always had a com- you know a conversation with him and it, it always inspired me. Everything he used to say kind of made a lot of sense. Um, he was such a kind person and always felt like he wanted to help you. Um, and, you know, even these days if somebody asks me something or I speak to someone, I'm always trying to help them you know in advice mm. um and he kind of made me feel like oh i need to i need to listen to this guy he he's obviously done well i think they, they were turning over 10 million i used to stand in the office and there's like 65 people in this office and you know to me that's that spoke volumes i was you know just think well this guy's really smart you know he's he's, he's set all this up yeah he's done really well for himself you know he's He's, he lives a very, very beautiful life, and as a person, you couldn't have met a, a, a better man. You know, he was so friendly, and just every bit of advice he give you, it was like, you know, thank you so much. And that, as it went on, you know, um, he was—they were giving us work, and I, I got chatting to him a lot, and I just—I was always asking him questions: What do I do with this? And what do I do? And you know, he. Just he in the end just ended up helping me create my company um, he was he said look let me help you you know I, I like what you're doing I like how you're driven i like I like the fact that you always get a job done no matter what he said sometimes you underprice a job but you always get it done you yeah. never moan you know you work day and night, and you know what you know for the last fifteen years i've just I have worked day and night. You know, if I take a job on, I'll complete it no matter what. I think he can but see a bit of himself in you. I, I can, yeah, because it, he's shown me so much in the background what goes on in companies that you can't figure that stuff out. You, you can, but it's too late when you do. You know, I, I'll be sixty years old. Yeah. You know, when you figure all this stuff out, you know, this, everything he said just made so much sense. And I was thinking, you know what, I've been doing the things wrong. You know, this is where I'm going wrong. You know, I keep getting tripped up by these big companies and I'm losing money here and, you know, I'm losing sleep. You know, I'm working so hard. What am I actually doing wrong? You know, like, yeah. and what he was what he was explaining to me all the time and it's like, oh, wow, you know, I would have never thought of that. Never. And, um, yeah, I just, he helped me so much. And, um, you know, to this day I'm really thankful we are still good friends, you know, I had lunch with him yesterday. And, you know, every time I see him, it's just always, I walk away like like I've been to a spa, had the best massage going, yeah. you know, I walk away I'm feeling, you know, like relieved. Yeah. He's such a lovely man, you know, and for him to help me and I always say to him, you're like the dad I never had, you know? You, 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 I wouldn't be in this position if it wasn't for him, you know? Yeah. Um, maybe I would in, 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 10 years, 15 years time, you know, I, I'm not stupid, you know, I can figure things out, but he kind of put me on the right path, yeah. if you like. And then, um, you know, he always said to me, you know, listen, listen to books, you know, get your mindset right and do this and do that. And, you know, I started, you know, taking some business training, like he advised me to, and um, I've got a friend, Paul, he's got a really successful business as well, Paul Greyer. Um You've probably heard of Grauer's Graphics, he, you know, me and him went to business training together. You know, we'd go and listen to, you know, uh, Brad Sugars and uh, people like that. And you know, Do you ever
0: like a mantra or a daily practice?
1: Uh, I listen to Brad all the time. Yeah, I've, um, I, I've got um, like a thirty-day tutorial at the moment. i on, on there. You know, one thing is for sure: you can never stop learning. You know, there there is always things to to learn, um, and especially about business. Yeah, it ain't just about you know working out your van and you know i mean people have to start somewhere and you know you do get in a ruck where you're doing everything you know you're doing accounts you're doing your uh, pricing you're doing your marketing you're doing everything you're invoicing you're chasing people for money while you're still trying to do you know install electrical work yeah. you know it's when i think about it now it's insane you know looking back you know i used to do everything, you know, and yeah. no wonder I was in bed at eleven o'clock every night. You know, yeah. I was working Saturdays and Sundays because I was trying to do everything. And uh, yeah, this is where you know Peter said, you know, you need to break away from that. You know, you need to get an accountant to do your accounts. Yeah. You know, you can send invoices, no problem. But you know, you, you, you're trying to do
0: everything what a whole company should be doing. It's, it's hard, though, isn't it? It's like uh, uh, as somebody that's always worked for themselves, I, I always find it hard as, as something grows to that's theoretically your baby to then kind of pass a bit to someone else it's not the easiest thing to do is it it doesn't i think because you put that you know as you said that hard that that level of hard work in as much as you know to take it to another level you've got to sort of fragment it and give it to other people to help you know you to move to the next thing I find it really hard to let go of of, of anything. Is, is that was was it a difficult thing for you to do, or was the advice you was getting that concise that it made it easier?
1: Um, you think it's really hard to let go, but you've got to really have faith in other people. Yeah, and they need to have the same um, drive as you, or really want to be in that position. But everybody needs help, and you can't do it all by yourself um hence you know you, now we've got I've got partners I've got um you know there's other operation directors there's office managers there's you know we've got estimators we've got designers yeah. you know all these things I was doing my by myself yeah. and um I'm a you know saying that, that there is a saying that if you try and save money by doing everything yourself it costs you so much money in the long run because yeah. You're just absorbed, uh, your time is absorbed by all these other things where you should be trying to step out and work yeah. on your actual business rather than having all these jobs in it. Um, so, yeah, the, the business training does go into a massive, massive depth where you know, you can't, you have to look at it as one thing that really you know took in there is if you go and try and sell your business tomorrow, how can you sell it if, if you're working in it? You know, you're not selling a business; yeah. you're selling a job. Yeah. Who wants to buy a job? Yeah. No one. You know, one. It, no one wants to buy a job. Yeah. The, a business needs to operate on its own without you in it. You can work around it and yeah. on it, but you can't work in it. Yeah. Otherwise, all it is is just a job, and that's that's one thing that stuck with me. And you then have to just work your way out of it, if you like but I'm still well involved. Yeah. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, if you like, I'm, I'm in sales, if you like, yeah. I still get all the work in for the business. You know, yeah. I'm still like a client, um, connection, if you like. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And it all, our team does everything else. And I've got a great team. You know, I've, I've, I've chose the team that I want. I've built the team. Yeah. And, you know, when you've got a great opportunity to build the strongest team that you want, you know, what, what, what more do you want you know it's it's, it's amazing what is a successful life successful life is being able to spend the right amount of time with your family being able to have a happy life at work and being able to take care of yourself spend a lot of time on yourself you know I, I like I like I train a lot, which is like therapy to me. Yeah. You know, I'll be in the gym every morning uh, before work I'm up at half four five. I will get my training out of the way, then I will go on and do my day to day. Weekends I'll train before my kids are even awake. And yeah. then I will you know, the phone goes away, the you know, the the family life starts and I definitely make sure we have holidays every year. Yeah. Uh, this is where this is where you can really connect with your children.
0: Do you think that happiness can be correlated to success?
1: I think so because without the success, you ain't going to get this time to spend with the family. Yeah. So there, there is not a lot of balance if you're working 40, 50 hours a week, which rolls into weekends. Yeah. The only time you can really do it is, you know, taking your two week holiday. Um, I think um, I've built everything that I wanted, basically. You know, I can have breakfast with my children. I can, before they go to school, a couple of times a week, I can take my kid to school and pick them up. Mm. Um, I I am very flexible. But I do work, you know, I I do get, you know, when I'm needed, I'm there. I do attend, you know, meetings and stuff. But, yeah, my family is the priority in it all. Business is great but the family will always come first.
0: In regards to happiness, how would you measure it?
1: i put happiness and kind of joy together, if you like. Um, I always try and keep a tight ship, so things are always in order, which then creates the happiness where everything's where it should be. Um, I do take out a lot of time for myself, you know, I like racing, for example, so I'll... I'll do track days. That's a lot of happiness for me. Or once a year, me and my fr- friends will get together. We'll drive around Europe in our cars, and that is a lot of happiness there. Yeah. Um, taking you know every Christmas and New Year, you know we we shut down every year for two three weeks around Christmas, and we'll have a wonderful holiday every year. I Always look forward to that. You know that's you know you can't get that's best happiness going. Um, Yeah, just joy comes out of everything being in order and not overdoing it anywhere. Um, Yeah.
0: Is legacy important to you? And if so, what kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? I would like
1: for my kids not to go through what I've been through, having to start from scratch in everything. Um, I would like to work with my kids and show them the best life that they can have. Um, I want to make sure that they're the best people that they can be. Um, Legacy-wise, I just want to have a nice life and I want to live to the end uh, the very best I can. And hopefully I'll leave behind what I've built for my kids to carry yeah. on and enjoy what I've built and sweated for yeah. in the last 15, 20
0: years. And with that in mind, the last question I'm going to ask you today, Sanel, do you believe you're one of the good people? Definitely.
1: Uh, I will help anybody uh, along the way. I will advise anyone that I see struggling. I will always give them my advice. i I'm sure a lot of friends and family will recall that I've, I've helped them in any way, I shape or form that I can. You know, if people are getting ill abroad and they haven't got the funds to support their operations and everything. I'll be the first one to, you know, to, to chip in and, you know, make sure that that happens without them being stressed, you know. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I'd like to think that I'm a good person and I will always try and help anybody that I can. Um, yeah, I can't see any badness in that, you know.
0: Absolutely, couldn't agree more. Sanal, thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs>